0: John's account of the resurrection on the first day of the week Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to Mary Magdalene he appeared to the other women later he appeared to Simon Peter we know that from Corinthians and in the evening he appeared to all the disciples apart from Thomas. And then a week later, on a Sunday again, Jesus appeared to the disciples, including Thomas. There's something special about the first day of the week. It was on a Sunday that Jesus rose from the dead it was on a Sunday that he showed himself to individual disciples and to the disciples as they gathered together. And that's why we call Sunday the Lord's Day, because Jesus Christ delights to meet with us, not physically anymore, but by his Spirit. And what I long for today is that on this resurrection day, because every Sunday is really a celebration of the rising of Jesus from the dead, we will meet Jesus Christ. Have you come here this morning in order to seek Jesus? We're going to look at his appearing to Mary Magdalene this morning, And then, because it was an evening service where he appeared to the disciples, tonight we will look at his appearing to all the disciples apart from Thomas. So, here is not just Mary Magdalene, but the whole lot of the disciples. They were in mourning, weren't they? We find them at the start of the day. Grieving, hope had been extinguished. They had placed their trust in Jesus of Nazareth as the promised Messiah, and now he was dead. He died on the Friday, they saw it with their own eyes, and his body was taken off the cross and put in a tomb of a wealthy believer and now it was Sunday morning and there was no sign of him. Hope extinguished. They were devastated. The sadness. You, you, you could have felt it. It was palpable. By the end of this Sunday, that sadness has been turned to gladness. Gladness. So that's that's really what I want to look at this morning in terms of Mary Magdalene, from sadness to gladness. And isn't that the need for every one of us? Because we are all, in one sense, mourning, aren't we, today? Maybe you think I'm a melancholic Welsh preacher. But let us look at Mary's morning and see why in one sense we should all begin with the sadness. I keep on saying this, but if you think of some of those tall skyscrapers on Manhattan Island, they've been able to build up so high because first of all, they've dug down so deep. So if we want to know the gladness of salvation in jesus christ maybe we need first to feel something of the sadness that these disciples felt i don't know if that's me (laughs) but let's hear the word let's hear god speaking through the word mary magdalene The first person that Jesus appeared to was the least likely of the disciples. Uh, Mary Magdalene, she came from Magdala, a place uh, on the west shore of the Sea of Galilee. She, in the time uh, of the New Testament, was a person that was oppressed because she was a woman Women weren't treated as well as they are in our society today in Bible times. But more than that, she was a sinful woman. Uh, We're told in Luke that Jesus Christ had driven seven devils out of her. So she wasn't a good and a respectable woman. Isn't that encouraging? The first person that Jesus appeared to wasn't Simon Peter, the one he'd given uh, authority uh, over uh, the apostles. It wasn't any of the other apostles. It wasn't even John, the apostle that Jesus loved in a special way, but it was a woman, a woman that had been oppressed for so long by demons And yet Jesus delighted to show himself to her. She goes before the crack of dawn to the grave. She wanted to anoint the body with spices. She realizes that the stone, which was a huge thing, and it required strong Roman soldiers to put it in place, that that stone had been removed. She doesn't go inside, but she runs back. And she informs the disciples that the tomb has been opened. And so Simon Peter, he's the impulsive one. And John, he is the one that had this special relationship with Jesus. They run and Mary Magdalene tries to keep up with them, but she can't. John is the strongest runner. So he gets to the grave first, but he doesn't go in. Simon Peter, because he's impulsive... He arrives soon after John and he goes straight into the grave. And he sees there's no body there. He just sees that the grave clothes have been left. The napkin that was over Jesus' head has been folded. They go back to the other disciples and inform them. But Mary, this is the point I want us to consider. Mary's gutted, but she stays behind. She's not as strong as them physically, but she's got a stronger affection towards Jesus Christ. Do you want to find Jesus Christ this morning? Like Mary, you may think you're a nobody. Like Mary, you think you're not the kind of person that should become a Christian, surely. Christians, church people, are the respectable sorts. Like Mary, you may not be a strong person naturally. Not like John or Peter. Jesus can show himself to you if he did to Mary. I like how one bishop described Mary. She was the last at his cross and the first at his grave. She stayed longest there and was soonest here. She sought him while he was, it was yet dark, even before she had light to seek him by. You see, Mary, she just loved Jesus. And there is such a thing as love sickness, so that when the person you love is separated from you, you are just devastated because you're so in love with that person. And it's like that with Mary here. Yes, Simon and John and the other disciples are grieving, but Mary is utterly broken. Mary is the person who lingers. Are we the kind of people that stay behind? Because we want something more. That's what Mary was like. What about this meeting this morning? Our fathers, they called these buildings meeting houses. Meeting houses. Not because we meet with one another. Nothing wrong with that. But because it is possible to meet with Jesus Christ. And Jesus loves to show himself to people who just stay behind How many meetings have you been to? How many Easter services have you attended? Maybe some of you have come Easter Sunday, year after year after year. You don't know how many more meetings will be left. But don't you long that you will know something more than just going through the motions I know we use that phrase and it's a bit of a cliche but it's right isn't it we can just gather together out of habit i don't know of any other church that has 10:45 as a start time maybe we're unique in that and we no longer have the introits we now have the notices at the start so some things have changed but then we just sing and we hear the word And we pray and we hear the sermon And there's nothing wrong with any of those things They're all very good things But the problem is we're just going through the motions Is there anybody here this morning like Mary Who wants more than that? I want Christ I want to meet with Him I want to know Him speaking to me by the Spirit, in the Word, as he did with Mary. My friend, maybe you and I need to be a bit more like Mary if we want to find Jesus Christ. Maybe we are too healthy spiritually. Maybe we need to be a bit more broken. What did Jesus Christ say in his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are, happy are the poor in spirits those who don't think much of themselves, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And what did he go on to say? Blessed are they that mourn. And Jesus is thinking of grieving for one's sin, grieving because you know you're not what you should be or not even what you want to be. And you just feel wretched. And Jesus says, listen, if you feel like that, you can begin to look up because I can meet with you. Do you know why Mary was so in love with Jesus Christ? Because she had been forgiven much, exercised of seven demons. She loved much. Mary was one of these people who was gobsmacked by the grace of Jesus Christ. She could not get over the fact that he had loved somebody like her. And now that his body was missing, she was devastated. Maybe we don't realize, those of us who are Christians, what it is we've been saved from. Maybe we are not rejoicing as we should in Jesus Christ because we are not grieving as we should for our lost condition. And maybe those of you who are not Christians here this morning, maybe you are too apathetic about seeking Jesus Christ because you don't realise the desperate states that you're in. Are we desperate for Jesus Christ? There's a difference, isn't there, between being desperate for something and just feeling a slight need for something. That slight need may come and go. Are you so desperate that Jesus Christ and the salvation that's in him is the one thing you will give your life for? Nothing else matters. I must have him. I must. We've got a visitor well we got a few visitors from australia i don't know if you've heard of a gentleman that lived in sydney and he was given the nickname mr eternity have have you heard of him He, he wasn't a very important person a bit like mary magdalene he he was a nobody and this man was just struck by the fact that this life is just for a moment brief just for a time And after death, there is this vast thing called eternity, eternity. And so this struck uh, this gentleman. And he wanted to warn everybody about eternity. Do you know where your eternity is going to be spent? So what he did was this. He didn't have much of an education, but he knew enough to write the word eternity Uh, wherever he could so uh, i think it's right to say wherever he went in sydney if he saw a place where he could write the word eternity he did it so just as bristol has got banksy arts uh, all over uh, during uh, the period that this man was alive sydney would have eternity eternity So you can imagine people maybe going uh, to Bondi Beach and on their way, they see the word eternity. They're being reminded that in the midst of pleasures, there is this one truth that we need to be confronted with. You can imagine other people going for a shopping trip in the middle of Sydney. And then suddenly, as they're carried away with shopping, they see the word eternity. It's not the abundance of the things that I possess, which is important in life. But eternity. You can imagine other people going to the opera house to hear uh, an opera in the evening. Uh, The German operas are the best ones, aren't they? And as they're going, they see the word eternity. And even though an opera is an awesome experience, it's nothing in comparison to knowing a touch of eternity and knowing where we are heading. And this is the message of the Bible. Apparently, when the Olympics happened in Sydney, the words eternity which this man had scribbled all over the city was finally emblazoned on the sydney harbour bridge for either the opening or the closing ceremony of the olympics so it wasn't just the inhabitants of sydney but the whole world saw the word eternity and that's what the bible is doing That's what the service is about it's as if god is putting before us eternity eternity do you know where you're heading Do you know whether you'll be in eternal hell or in eternal heaven? If we have a sense of that, then we will be desperate. We will be desperate to avoid eternal destruction and we will want to have a place in heaven. Are you desperate for Jesus Christ? Some of us can look back on the period when we were seeking. It was many, many years ago for me. But for months... I would give anything just to know that I was his and that I was going to heaven. Mary, I think, was such a person. So, mourning. May we begin to mourn our condition this morning. May we confess that we are sinners it doesn't matter whether we're out and out sinners, whether we're respectable sinners. I, I was reading yesterday a short story about a cat who could speak. And this cat, because uh, the cat uh, would often uh, walk on the window sill of the block of uh, flats where the different people were living, the, the, the cat could hear everything that was being said. Things whispered in private. The cat could hear. And once this cat could speak, it just told everybody people's deeper secrets. Respectable sin. Out and out sin. It doesn't matter. We're all sinners in need of a saviour. In need of being saved. Do you know where you're going to spend eternity. Let's hurry on to the next thing. Mary doesn't stay mourning, does she? I don't want anybody here to stay broken because Jesus manifests himself to her. I like the word manifestation. That's what happens when a person meets Jesus Christ. It's not a physical meeting anymore, but it's a spiritual manifestation. Manifestation. Now, even before Jesus manifests himself to Mary, there's a hint, isn't there? She should have realized. She stayed behind. Peter and John had left. So she goes inside the tomb. And she doesn't just see the empty grave clothes. What else does she see? She sees two angels. One at the head, one at the foot. Somebody compares this to the mercy seats. In the temple, where God's presence was, you had two angels, two cherubim, covering the mercy seats. And Mary should have realized, this Jesus, it's not that his body has been removed. He has risen. He has risen. Angels are messengers. You know, you may have been ministered to by angels without realizing it. We don't concentrate on angels. Angels are pointing us to Jesus Christ. But angels were present during the most important period in the New Testament when Jesus was about to be born. It was angels who announced the birth. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, angels came and ministered to him. When Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane was aware of what he was about to do on the cross... And praying that God would take this cup from him if he willed. It was angels who came to strengthen him. And now that Jesus had finished the work on the cross on our behalf and was risen from the dead. It was angels that were there to herald the fact. Hark the herald angels. Not just for Christmas, but for Easter. And these angels are saying to Mary, Mary listen, hark. Why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? And what does she say? Oh, she says, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. I only want my Lord and my Savior. It doesn't matter that I've seen angels, I want Jesus Christ. And then she meets him, and she doesn't realize it. She doesn't realize it. What happens? She sees somebody and she thinks it's the gardener. And she says the same. He says, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. It's not a bad mistake, is it, to confuse Jesus with the gardener? The tomb where Jesus was laid was in a garden. Why is there death in the world? Why is there sin? Why is there war? Why is this world in the mess it's in so that we need to be saved? It was because of something that happened in a garden. In the garden of Eden where God created this world perfect. And he created the first man and the first woman. Adam and Eve. Perfect. Perfect. They were in a garden. Our first parents were gardeners. It's not a bad job to have, is it? A gardener. That's what God created us for. But this world's in the mess that it's in because the devil came in and the devil tempted our first parents to disobey God. And in a garden they fell. Isn't it significant now that's in a garden the new creation? The hope is dawning in a garden. In a garden, this world was cursed. In another garden, hope is coming. And I don't think it's a bad mistake to think of Jesus as a gardener. Because where the first gardener failed by disobeying God, this gardener achieved. And even if you're a believer, Jesus is the gardener, isn't he? I am the vine, you are the branches, and he uh, looks after his branches. And it only takes Jesus to utter one word for Mary to realize who it is. Uh, We don't need to go into it, but oh, the thrill that would have gone through Mary. It must have been electric to hear her name being spoken because all she can say in response is rabboni teacher she worships now you may say to me and rightly so we haven't got the physical presence of jesus as mary had but i will say the same to you why are you weeping If you're saying to me this morning, Pastor, I've heard what you've said about my condition as a sinner, that I'm lost, why shouldn't I be weeping? But I want to ask you, Mary didn't stay in that position because she found Jesus Christ. And you can find Jesus Christ this morning. And this is the wonderful note on Easter Sunday. It's not a note of mourning. It starts with the sadness, but it moves towards the gladness because he's risen. The first Adam fell, but the last Adam, Jesus Christ, rose. The first Adam was defeated by Satan and sin and death. The last Adam was victorious. Why are we weeping? In the centre of Birmingham, Cars Lane, there's a church there. And in the 19th century, there was a minister there called Dale, R.W. Dale. And he was preparing an Easter morning sermon once. And the thought of the risen Lord broke in upon him as it had never done before. Christ is alive, I said to myself. Alive. And then I paused. Alive. And then i paused again alive can that really be true living as really as i myself am i got up and walked about repeating christ is living christ is living it was to me a new discovery i thought that all along i had believed it believed it in the head but not until that moment did i feel sure about it and I then said, my people shall know it. I shall preach about it again and again until they believe it, as I do now. And they began a custom in Car's Lane Church every Sunday morning to sing an Easter hymn. He's alive. A living Christ is an all-powerful Christ. A living Christ is a present Christ. A living Christ is a Christ who gives us eternal life. A living Christ is a Christ who gives victory he's alive my friends yes the sting of death is sin but he on the cross took our sins upon himself he took the sting like the sting of a bee once a person's been stung by a bee the bee has no more sting left it dies so once jesus christ had taken the sting of our sin on that cross There's no more condemnation for us in Jesus Christ. And when we're remembering the cross, we don't stop at the cross. What hope would there be if we stopped at the cross? Because Jesus Christ died and was buried and he rose again. That's where we go from the cross. And we don't even stop at his rising again because he didn't stay on this earth physically. He ascended into heaven and that was his victory parade. He had conquered his enemies, our enemies. What are our enemies? They are death, they are hell, they are sin, they are the devil. And Jesus Christ had drowned them on the cross. And when he ascended up into high, it was his victory parade, like a football team that's won the World Cup. Uh, they have a, a tour, don't they, of the home city in uh, an open top double decker bus. And they show the trophy. They hold it up for everybody to see. And the crowds are lining the streets and everybody is rejoicing. And this is what happened when Jesus, after rising from the dead, after defeating our enemies, he ascended into heaven. His victory parade. And we, his people, if we're trusting in him, we are no longer sad, even though we're still sinners, because he has conquered sin. Even though we have to die, we are no longer without hope, because he has dealt with death. And even though the devil still gets at us, we are no longer his slaves. Jesus Christ is the one who is in complete control, and we can't help but rejoice. And what better to... Today than rejoicing in Jesus Christ. Uh, We're going to sing soon, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. And even if Jesus doesn't speak to us in his word, he's still alive. He's still alive. And I just want every one of you to put your complete trust in him and to say, In Christ alone, my hope is found. I got no other hope. I can't rely on my own good works. I can't rely on my religiosity. I can't rely on anything but Jesus Christ. And even when darkness veils his lovely face, I still rest in his unchanging grace. He's alive. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ, the King, the hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. I don't need to see the Pope in Rome. I've got my Father in heaven who is always there. And then very quickly, Jesus Gives Mary Magdalene a message. She believes him again, doesn't she? Don't we need to believe in him again? And she gives him a message. I love this. She gives him a message to give to the apostles. So Mary is an apostle to the apostles. I'm not sure if this teaches us that we can have women preach. But it must have been something for Mary to preach to the apostles and they didn't believe her at first jesus says stop clinging to me for i have not yet ascended to the father but go to my brethren and say to them i ascend to my father and your father and my god and my god and what did mary do she obeyed jesus christ she believed in him trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in jesus mary magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the lord and that he had spoken these things to her my friends that's what preaching is i'm not here this morning to try and prove to you that the grave being empty was proof that Jesus Christ is risen. I'm not here to do that. I'm just here to declare to you that he's alive and that he can save you and that I know this because I have experienced this just like Mary had experienced it. And every one of us here who is a believer is a witness to these things. A witness. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says, go to my brothers. He calls these motley bunch of disciples, my brothers. They didn't act like brothers. They abandoned him. And in the account in Mark, he says, go to my brethren and Peter. He singles out Peter. Peter, the one who denied him. Peter, the one who was probably still weeping bitter tears. And Jesus says, go to them. They're my brothers. Wonderful grace. Outrageous grace, isn't it? Outrageous. In his upper room sermon in the Gospel of John, uh, after the last supper, Jesus said, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. So they started off as servants following Jesus. Then they became friends. That's a bit closer, isn't it? Now, they're brothers. That's closer again. And you know what? It gets even better. Because when you become a Christian, not only are you a follower of Jesus, not only is Jesus your friend, not only is Jesus your brother, but Jesus is your husband. What I love about Jesus Christ is that the higher he gets, The higher in glory he ascends, the more he stoops to our weakness. It's not like that in the world, is it? When people uh, climb uh, in their jobs and get higher and higher up the career ladder, they become more aloof, don't they? They become less approachable. But the higher Jesus goes, the more open his arms are to welcome you and me. If he can call a Peter who denied him a brother, there's hope for you and for me, isn't there? Well, I just want us here this morning to come to him. If you haven't come, come for the first time. I hear thy welcome voice that calls me, Lord, to thee for washing, cleansing in the blood that flowed on Calvary. It's good that you're in church. There's no better place to be because you can hear the same good news that Mary Magdalene preached to the apostles. It hasn't changed. In 2000 years, it's truth unchanged and changing. Everything else has changed in life, but this hasn't changed and it never will change. Look, if you come to church without wanting to meet with Jesus, it's it's like me going to the Vatican. I heard of a, a couple. They went to the Vatican and they'd heard about the Sistine Chapel and they'd heard about Michelangelo's famous paintings in the Sistine Chapel and they walked through the Sistine Chapel and they said, so where were those paintings? We didn't see them. Well, they were up on the ceiling and this couple, they hadn't looked up they'd walked right through and you can come to church like that you can think ah yes church is just about meeting with one another it's just about looking horizontally at one another about these different ceremonies oh no you've got to look up my friend you got we haven't got much well it's a nice ceiling isn't it but it's not quite the Sistine Chapel But we don't look up to the ceiling. We look up to heaven. And we look up to the one who is standing there. And we look up to his nail prints. I did this for you. I did this for you. Isn't it amazing that Jesus Christ, from eternity, he knew what he was going to do. Having an eternity to prepare for something. And then, when he came into this world, God becoming a man and becoming our substitutes and living for 30 years. Three years, and then the climax, dying on the cross. Isn't it amazing that he could have time, in terms of all the cosmic forces that he had to deal with, he could have time to think of Mary. And you know what? He remembered Mary when he was dying on that cross. And now that he had conquered all those cosmic things, he could remember Mary and speak to her and he remembered you when he hung on that cross and he can speak to you and he can speak to me oh may Jesus Christ draw near to somebody here this morning but whoever we are let us come to him if we're like Mary Magdalene if we're like Simon Peter it doesn't matter let us come as we are come ye sinners poor and wretched weak and wounded sick and sore jesus ready stands to save you full of pity joined with power he's able he's willing doubt no more from the sadness to the gladness are you glad this morning that he's alive and that you're in him and you are more than conquerors through him make sure that you know where you are headed for eternity that you have jesus christ